0: Welcome to Who New. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into the modern regeneration of the show. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash podcast. All our episodes are on Hunupodcast.com You can leave comments there, or email us at whonupodcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram and Twitter account. Tweet at us at whonupodcast, and find us on Facebook. Today's episode is The Fires of Pompeii, episode two of season four. The doctor takes Donna on a sightseeing trip to ancient Rome, only it turns out to be Pompeii, and Vesuvius is about to blow. This episode is written by James Moran, directed by Colin Teague. It originally aired on the 12th of April, 2008, and was watched by 8.1 million viewers. Hi, this is Eugene. Let's introduce ourselves. Hi, this is Brian. This is Josh.
1: Hi, this is Arlene.
0: Hello, this is Auburn. Hi, this is Frank. The doctor and Donna arrive in ancient Pompeii, and Donna discovers that the TARDIS translates both written and spoken languages. As they stroll through a marketplace, they are followed by a mysterious young woman in red robes. Who likes to wait. And we'll never see her again, ever. <laughs> the ground begins to rumble, and a nearby mountain starts to smoke. They realize that this isn't Rome.
2: I like that little reminder of the language, the TARDIS language translator. Yeah, because we you know we all know it, and all the all the you know the the, the diehard geeky fans know it, but uh, for people who just pop in and out, I think it's a nice reminder, and it's nice to see evidence evidence of it happening as the show goes on.
3: And they do it really clever, yeah. you know. And I love her; she's thinking, going, "Well, if I'm speaking Latin, what happens when I speak Latin?" And then she, you know, she says, vini, vidi, vidi vici." No, speaky Celtic. I love that. <laughs> I just think that's hysterical. also like the reference to Epcot. We're in yeah, Epcot, no, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's English. <laughs> um, I love in the beginning of this episode when they're in the TARDIS. How overjoyed Donna yeah. is! Yeah. Yes,
4: I'm saying the same thing.
3: And for me, Donna is me. I feel this is how I would be if I were inside the TARDIS. Uh I would be just, like, freaking out and ecstatic. I did notice that in the beginning when the TARDIS was rocking back and forth, they did lean the wrong way. uh,
2: (laughs) Part of the fun.
5: It's wibbly-wobbly.
2: Oh, okay. And won't fall down. Oh, there you go.
5: When uh, they first arrive and they still think it's Rome, um, Donna says, or, or she remarks that, everyone that she's looking at is dead Mm -hmm. and that comes back later in the episode quite a bit, but it's interesting that spoiler, just kidding. Yeah. It's interesting that to start off, like she's already kind of accepted their fate, but accepted their fate as like, they died naturally of whatever happened because they're historical figures, not that they suffer, suffer a horrible death. Right. So,
3: well, and also not that they are dying. Right. I think that's a difference, you know, because I think it is kind of a little bit of a shock to her where she's like, Oh, all these people are dead. Mm-hmm. But it's not horrific because, of course, you're traveling through time. Isn't that mm-hmm.
2: something that Rose said in the second episode?
3: Yes. Yeah. You mean uh, when Earth completely blew up in front of her face yes. and the doctor yeah. was doing that lovely <laughs> first date?
2: Well, that and also the fact that she just said everyone I know is, is, is dead.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yes. But the way Rose said it was a lot more melancholy. Mm-hmm. You know, and Donna was just, I'm in mean, a point of history. And to me, right. these people have already passed on You know, eons ago. <laughs> it's just sort of matter of fact trying to we're trying to grasp the time travel aspect of it rather than the part. the emotional aspect of it.
3: Also, I always laugh um, because here, sorry, another history lesson from Brian um they're like oh this is pompeii and it's volcano day it was like well you could also be in herculaneum but that's not as famous as pompeii but because there was <laughs> another city on the other side of the volcano that got destroyed
2: too oh really yeah but did they find like people no. in, the, in the same way
3: no but they found that they found those uh relics after of that city it was smaller than pompeii but uh did, so but the, it's not it's not the famous artifacts of pompeii
2: Did those people get out or that no, just was, they more, destroyed? It well, was they, more destroyed It was more destroyed yeah. So they were obliterated, whereas the Pompeii, some of those people were preserved. Right. You think Herculaneum? Herculaneum. Oh, her- what is it? Herculaneum. <laughs> you her- think they Herculaneum. would have drawn. I stronger- oh, forget. It's not worth the joke. <laughs>
4: The banter between them was always fun yes. and how the doctor saying, yeah, Rome. Oh, but I had nothing to do with the fire. Well, yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> and so throughout this whole series, he's always throwing out different references. So sometimes you don't know which ones to pay attention to right. or not. So you start just dismissing some of the things. Oh, it's just a banter for fun. Mm-hmm but always you know, they put some in throughout these whole episodes. It's, oh, I didn't listen to that the first time because of things like that.
0: But what you're saying about the fire is that that's a reference to the first Doctor, Serial, uh, in 1963, the Romans, that the Doctor did not directly start the fire, but he did hold a map a bit too close to an f- open flame, giving Nero the idea for the fire.
2: Mm. I also really like the uh, just the comedic banter between him and donna it's much more there's always comedic banter between him and the companions but because of the these two characters together there's
4: a lot more donna's a lot quicker in yes. her quibs you yeah know, so she can give it right back so they banter really well
3: yeah there's no learning curve i mean this is only their second episode you know if you don't count um right. runaway bride she's just, right in there yeah and it's great you know, we're not we're not in the middle of that learning curve. Donna's a little bit older, so it's not like it's the young,
0: impressionable. Yeah.
2: And she's been waiting for this too. Yes. She so as opposed to it being thrust
4: upon her. She's also been prepared with yeah. all her luggage. Right, with right? All her luggage. The thing is, there's no thrall. There's no thrall. Right. <laughs> she's not enthralled. Buffy reference. That's you know, that I put that in there. but that's what it is. She sees him yeah, she knows what he can do and respects yeah. that and is you admire that, but it's going, no, you're still just a skinny little thing. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're, you're, you're not an all-powerful god. Yeah, you're skinny you're saying, alien nothing. Yeah. You say Time Lord like something. Go, yeah, well, I'm a human. So <laughs> yeah, spaceman.
3: <laughs> right. And I always do love those rare moments when we see the doctor just turn and run. I love those moments. It really hits home how important, how scary, how impactful this is. And so the doctor's just like, it's volcano day. We're out of here. You know, there's no discussion. We're just leaving. And I like that. Because the, the tone of this episode is all over the place. Like, you know, they have the witty banter, right. the no-speaky Celtic. Um, there's a
0: lot of colloquialism. There's also history involved. Yeah.
3: But at the same time, so it's it's very loose. It's very fun. And then it... I But it, that, I don't... I almost think that gives it license later on to become very deep and very serious. And we've had other episodes where the tone shift is jarring, but Mm -hmm. it's not in this one.
0: Yeah, this one, it all gels perfectly. Yeah, I think it gels really well.
3: I think
2: because it it, it
3: comes out of story. The
2: story is guiding this and they're reacting, whether they're reacting funny or they're reacting real or serious. uh, It comes from that as opposed to a tone being shoved into the story.
4: Right. It's organic yes and funny is different than silly yes yeah that's a good point
0: but wait uh, back to what uh, you were saying for
3: frank
4: <laughs> pen <Pendle>. drop <laughs> i
0: didn't know this was a cell phone commercial <laughs> anyway um back to uh what brian was saying about the the fact that the doctor is running there was i think it was 42 where uh martha and him are on the spaceship and they sense something's wrong and they're like instead of running they're thinking hey Let's, let's figure what's going on wrong with this place where in Pompeii, they want to do, he wants to do the opposite and just get out of there.
3: Yeah, because well, he knows he can't change anything
0: about that. And I think that's the difference. Yeah.
3: yeah, The doctor and Donna run back to the TARDIS, but it is missing. A merchant has sold it as modern art to Caecilius, a marble sculptor. He and his wife have an ordinary son, Quintus, and a daughter, Evelina, who can see the future and is going to be part of the sisterhood. The woman in red who has been following the doctor and Donna is part of that sisterhood, the Sibylline. She returns to their temple and informs them that the prophecy of the blue box has arrived. That prophecy states that there will be fire and destruction when it arrives, but the high priestess says that it is wrong. She has seen a different, true
0: prophecy, one of prosperity for Pompeii. The uh, reference to the TARDIS being modern art is from uh, The City of Death with John Cleese, and somebody else in a pair of art critics where the, the doctor oh, has yeah. left the TARDIS in a museum. And then he's John Cleese is commenting on modern art. And then that's the right. doctor and um, Romana just walk in and they leave. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the two of them
3: kind of stare at it going, wonderful art.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. So I like that that's a callback, but you don't really... Um, it's not... You don't it, need it. Yeah, you don't need it.
3: Yeah. Um, it's interesting to me how... Uh, and the only word I could think to describe it is colloquial, the writer has made the family. They're, they're, they seem to be very modern. You know, they, they're, they're not written in, in what you would stereotypically put an ancient Roman right. Family, Well,
2: I also interpret that, like, the way they spoke to each other as the TARDIS's translation thing. It's it's that
3: way, too. But I think what they're really trying to sell is that they're just ordinary people. Yes. And there's no difference between the problems that they had in 79 AD and the problems a family has today. You know, you've got the rebellious... Moody emo teenager, you know, um, you know the the husband and wife, you know, banter back and forth with with each other. So I think they're they're using that uh, manner of speech to really say these are just average people, except their daughter can see the future.
4: I think we should talk about the woman in red, totally
0: who we'll never see again,
4: ever. Well, we will. <laughs> so I think we have to, you know, inform who she is.
0: You want to give the actress name? Oh, okay. The actress I is could... Karen Gillen. I thought so oh really and who would that be Frank she
4: did look familiar she plays Amy who will be a companion later on
0: Amelia Pond
4: she's also if you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy (laughs) (laughs) she's in that she's in the new Jumanji oh I thought you had another one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she wasn't something else, and I can't think of it right now. Selfie. Thank you. Oh, that was her? Okay. Yeah. Wasn't there another <laughs> one? The TV, <laughs> the
1: TV show.
0: Yeah. Yeah, a TV show with John Cho.
5: So, this episode spawned a lot of return yes. Yes. Doctor Who yeah. cast members. And a Sherlock yeah. as
4: well. Because Cacilius, Peter Capaldi, he later comes on. Something. That <laughs> yeah. Well, he comes back in Torchwood. That's right.
3: That's true. That's he it. comes back in Torchwood. Yeah, we see him again in Torchwood. Yeah. And, and uh, then never again. And then never again. Although sometimes somebody wonders who frowned these frown lines and why.
5: Back to... uh, Reality? Yeah, Yeah. back to uh, Brian mentioning, uh, talking about the family being a very realistic kind of family. I think that even started with the vendor. Like, oftentimes we think of these historical, like, fiction settings as people very prim and proper. And here we have a very, like, cockney, um, very British... Well, the vendor himself was... No, speaky Celtic. Gotcha. But even though he's speaking Latin as an American audience, I found it very, like, Charles Dickens, like, Mm -hmm. cockney, like... Yeah. You, you know, that kind of feeling. And I wonder, um, for the, the Celtic connection and the Welsh, I know England or Britain has a much stronger connection to to Rome than I think we in the U.S. do. Right. Um, so I, I was just wondering... Oh, yeah, if, London if, existed. Right.
3: Londinium. So do you name. have
5: any... Um, like more insight into the Welsh joke, like the Celtic Welsh no, di- dichotomy, I think that or is was that just thrown
3: in as as a, a funny oh. joke? Okay, you know where it would just be like I can't think of what the equivalent today would be, but just like oh, you're speaking a bizarre,
0: wacky language, you wacky foreigner, you. Mm-hmm. So was it a dig at, Celt-
5: at Welsh as well? From well, it
0: could be. I don't. I think it's because Russell's Welsh, isn't he? Okay. He just wanted to throw that in there. Okay.
3: I also like that he doesn't say Welsh. I like that he says Celtic. Yeah. Uh-huh. But broad, then it's
0: broader.
5: But then the doctor says you sound Welsh, right, to Donna? I
4: think
3: yeah, Welsh same you Celtic Welsh. Okay, it's all the that's same how thing. They, they hear it as yeah. a no. foreign language, oh. not. But the... it, yeah, Celtic. But to the doctor, Welsh, Welsh is Welsh is its own language. That's like has influences from other Celtic languages.
5: So it would, in the context of that, language. it was telling Donna like you have this Welsh accent to this guy, where like we're speaking English now. Yes. Okay.
4: The Vesuvius keeps rumbling and everyone just runs around to protect everything before. From falling. It reminded me so much of Mary Poppins when the cannon was gonna go off. And that was oh, the that was, was the, the
0: the direction in the script. They oh, said really? make it like Mary Poppins. Oh good, I got it. <laughs> That's funny. Two points for Frank.
2: <laughs> I did notice too that everyone the first rumble when they were still in the street, the street people were also kind of smiling, like, Oh, isn't this fun? Or funny that this because they have no reference to what can happen.
3: Well, because that one on the street was only like a four pointer, you don't react to that. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. It could be a truck rolling by.
2: Exactly.
0: What's a truck?
1: (laughs) It's like when we're all sitting in a conference table and it's a four point three earthquake and no one moves. They just keep doing their business. You know.
3: Yeah. From Los Angeles. That's happened at work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, calm down, people. You know where we live. (laughs) Well, there is always that split second where you go, Is it gonna get bigger? Nah.
0: Nah, we're okay. And then there's that split second of, or is it San Francisco falling into the ocean? (laughs) Donna tells the doctor that they must warn the people to leave, but he says they can't change history. This is a fixed point in time, but Donna refuses to accept that. They go to Caecilius' house to retrieve the TARDIS. Once there, Donna suggests that the family leave because they are too close to the volcano. They have never heard of that word and don't know what she is talking about. The doctor pulls her aside as Lucius Petrus Dextrus, the city's chief augur, arrives. He is there to pick up a piece of marble he has custom ordered. When the slab is brought out, the doctor and Donna recognize it as a large computer chip. And this actor is played by uh, someone who was in Sherlock and A Touch Mm -hmm. of Pink.
3: Moriarty!
0: That would be Phil Davis, who plays Lucius. He's also in being human as uh, Captain Hatch and he was also in Casanova. He doesn't look happy at all. Well, there's a reason why. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough
3: being a seer.
2: So auger, to me that's a thing that digs up that digs up holes or, or... It's a
3: tool, yeah, but it's also another He's completely unrelated that's word. That's with
2: an
4: E. This oh. is with a
0: U. Okay. <laughs> 1 point for me that only Frank will get. <laughs> no.
1: But <With> augers also <laughs> I written down. To tell what it was.
4: And he left it out. So an auger is a future teller. got anyway, I figured it's that, but sad. I just
2: never heard of that word before.
3: Did you never play Dungeons and Dragons?
2: I did, but no. not not uh, not extensively.
0: Okay. That's we why kept losing because we didn't have an auger. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. No. laughs> have we known? Well played. If you had foreseen that oh wait. Mm.
5: We uh my, my wife and I watched a few episodes from Peter Capaldi's season while we were watching this one. And I have to say I like his accent in Fires of Pompeii much better than than what I hear coming up later, just because it's a little bit easier to understand. I know he had less words than I'm sure he will have later when he becomes, Definitely. I understand that the doctor as he plays the doctor is more probably his actual his Scottish accent, accent yeah. where yeah. this one, they, he probably had a lot more this coaching yeah. to get that cleaner, but yeah, he's a guest star to too. to like, I have yeah. a guest
2: star in doctor who I want everyone to be
4: able to understand me.
5: Yeah. And oh. I know they, the whole Roman thing was all that to say, I wish he had kept the accent as he played the doctor later
4: when lucius comes in they're all just so oh wow what a wonderful person and they say have you ever heard such wisdom and they said never and donna's yeah that's true because she knows (laughs) what he's speaking is just nothing
0: yeah i like that scene where it's uh it's a war with words sort of a back and forth between the doctor and uh lucius and we all know that the doctor's weapons is words and i like how he kind of one-ups him and then he goes ah an educated man
1: I couldn't get past his teeth. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I like because the
3: the tone shifts here when you know they're they're doing like the prophecy and oh you're you're you call yourself noble um, and how you know they're one upping each other but by the reaction of the doctor by the reaction of Donna the tension's really mounting because they're like freaking out going what is going on and i think it's the we we as a viewer have almost been set up by the fun nature up until this point um and now the tone is shifting into a more serious place i think it works really well and i really
0: really like it oh and this again uh highlights the doctor's curiosity because once they're you know they're getting ready to leave and then he unveils the marble slab and he's like oh yeah what is that we need to stay yeah um There's a good fight between him and Donna where,
5: he, Mm -hmm. you know,
3: she's like, well, who are you? And he's like, I'm a Time Lord. And she's like, you know, she's like, Donna, human, no. (laughs) So, you know, their second episode and she's already disagreeing with him, but for good
5: cause. I'm Spartacus. Um, Oh, that's (laughs) great. Yeah, that That was a good... It was very, very, a very efficient joke. Yes. Like set up punchline, and like fallout was was all really well done.
2: And then there's the, uh, the 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 running gag of like Mr. and Mrs.
4: Spartacus. Yeah. No. 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 Not ever. Not ever. <laughs> they think that they're together. That's the running joke, partly for this whole mm-hmm. series, that they are the same. They're together. Mm-hmm. They're husband and wife. They're brother and sister. Because they have such a rapport mm-hmm. as well. And wondering if they meant that as a foreshadowing.
3: Maybe. Maybe. I And I wrote the entire line down. I love this line. I'm not sure what sort of kids you've been flying around with, but you're not telling me to shut up. Because it does kind of hit home that Donna is not like any of the other companions.
1: And that she's not a child. Mm-hmm. She, she knows, knows what she wants.
3: Yep. We also get uh, the prophecy, she is returning. Yep. Mm-hmm. We don't know what that
4: means? Well, not yet. Mm. That's the next paragraph.
3: Is it? Third <laughs> Third star for Frank. Okay. You
1: just on to a roll today. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Who got the faulty towers joke? Barcelona.
2: Oh, well, I always with the Barcelona, but I didn't know that was from Faulty T- Town. I yeah. didn't watch Faulty
3: Town. But yeah, that's, he always, I'll you know, forgive him, he's from Barcelona. Oh, so, oh, uh, Barcelona. Manuel! Evelina comes in and is in a drug-altered state. She has been inhaling the fumes from vents inside the house that are above the lava flow that runs under the city. She can see who they really are and state that they are the doctor and the noblewoman. Not to be outdone by a feeble and inferior woman, Lucius says that the Doctor is from Gallifrey and Donna is from London. He also tells the Doctor that she is returning and that there is something on Donna's back. Evelina fires back that the Doctor is the Lord of Time and then collapses. Her arm is turned to stone from inhaling the fumes.
0: I like here the use of the Dutch angles as each soothsayer starts giving something new yeah. and it just gets more and more angular. It, well, it's also ramping up the tension.
3: I like how in this scene, the the tone of the episode changes. So before it was all casual and, and a bit lighthearted. Um, now uh, you see the doctor and Donna's reactions to the um prophecies and because of their reactions it's getting a little bit darker a little bit more mysterious they don't know what's going on so the tone is shifting and I think it's d- done really well
2: I think a lot of that is testament to the actor too because he's the way he sells it and he's so different and there's not one ounce of levity in his face <laughs> so I think I think it's kind of like everything sort of starts to change towards him so when he enters it just feels different from the from the get-go mm-hmm.
5: and uh, especially because when he he entered he is these like fortune cookie phrases that aren't really like profound. he could be fake. And so, but the the girl seems like she is, you Mm -hmm. know, she's got, her face is sullen and she's been inhaling the vapors. Like, oh yeah, she's the real deal. This guy's a jokester. But then when he pulled out Gallifrey, you're like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And uh, there's a future reference to something on Donna's back, which I found very interesting that they put, threw that in this
4: early. And she's returning. So yeah, do I don't both. know. I can't remember what that's about. Well, maybe well, you'll find seen, out soon. Yeah. We've already seen it in... Partners, so, in crime. Partners in Crime. That's
3: true. Is that the she? I'm
4: confused. Or is it the high priest? Rose. Priestess? Uh, Rose. 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 Oh, Rose. I thought they were talking about Donna.
2: Okay. That's not the she. Okay, well, yeah. Now, is... now I get what you're saying.
4: But is it Rose or is it the high priestess in the episode before knowing what's going on I didn't, I'd didn't forgotten about Rose and so I thought the high priestess was what they were going to be referring to yeah. she's returning
0: and then Evelina makes a, another prof, or one of the prophecies someone must make a choice leading that to the immediate future of what yeah. we're dealing with now a terrible choice mm-hmm. that's later on I feel yeah.
1: like it's not just oh. an immediate future I think it's talking about the doctor in general someone Mm. must make a choice so they're talking about the doctor is always making choices
4: and right now we're dealing with a lot of uh, you know issues with me too and all that that's going on and this was 10 years ago and you can see donna's reaction because this male pompous guy comes up going i'm not going to be you know overdone by this feeble woman and And they don't they don't do it right you know, that whole attitude, and you can see and Donna's going, whoa, I'm about to punch you. When he
2: says that women can't be soothsayers or whatever, he says uh, that men are the only ones who really have the talent, and then it cuts to Donna. Well, she has which... to look,
4: and then she also says, yeah, I can tell you something about tomorrow, kind oh. of thing. And yeah. And he dismisses her. Well, yeah. And that house must just smell like smoke constantly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it can't be good smelling smoke. Yeah,
3: but the whole city would
4: at this point. <laughs> right. So they've been used to it.
5: It's like walking down uh, Wilshire near the tar pits. Yeah. You know, you just kind of mm-hmm. smell Ugh, it smell. all the time and Ugh. forget about it. Remember when people smoked cigarettes yeah. everywhere? <laughs> everywhere? Everywhere. Yes. Everywhere? I Restaurants. Can't
2: Im- can you imagine eating? Well, like, the smoking section's over there. It's not so bad. Can you imagine I can, eating? I can
3: remember when there wasn't a non-smoking section. Ugh.
2: Malls?
5: Airplanes? Like,
2: yeah, what? Airplanes? Yeah, can you believe that?
0: Yeah. Yes. So, I'm sure they got over it. <laughs> I mean, my dad used to smoke, so I know what it's like in the house. But it's
3: amazing now how one cigarette, and it's like, oh, that's terrible. It's like, we were around
0: that all all day long without even a second thought. Yep, like Ghostbusters 1 versus Ghostbusters 2. (laughs) (laughs) Donna is with Evelina as she recovers. Donna asks if she can foresee anything unusual about the next day. Evelina says it will be uneventful. Donna tells her that she sees it differently and has a different prophecy. Evelina closes her eyes and connects to the sisterhood, who listen as Donna tells her about the mountain erupting and everyone dying. Evelina refuses to believe this, and the high priestess denounces this prophecy and says that Donna must die. What I like when she didn't just shut
2: her eyes, she put her hands over her eyes with the... Uh, the tattoo thing? With the, uh, yeah, the eye, yeah. the drawing or tattoo of the eyes over them. I, I really like that of that gimmick.
1: I like the gimmick, but they explain the reason why that they can see the future. They and don't explain why they can communicate with each other by covering their eyes.
4: They kind of do later on because um, the doctor also during this scene, he's over with a Cecilius and he's examining the smoke and part of it is the stone dust that they're inhaling and we find out later on why that's important. Okay, we can so talk about that it still later in. on. Oh, cuz cuz I was us. with Arlene.
3: I was like, now they never explain how they can do that."
4: It is a psychic link in through the stone. the stone dust. So the
3: people who breathe the stone can be linked. Right.
4: But not everybody has that ability. So they're Otherwise, tapping into something in the whole city in the humans. That's then takes it. That's why the sisterhood, that's why she's going to be part of the sisterhood. Her brother can't be affected by it. But this guy who's the auger, he does it. It could be just maybe they breathe it more and then yeah, they I think develop that's probably it. probably just more. Or they're already susceptible yeah. because not everybody tells the future. So I'm not sure. You part.
1: just explained something. Thank you. Who knew? <laughs>
4: four? Is that four?
1: <laughs> <laughs> on a roll. Okay,
4: fine. I like this episode.
1: <laughs> that's good.
5: One thing happens here that I. Happens in the next episode too, but Donna should not touch diseased to yes. things. Right. But, exactly. yeah. What are you thinking, Donna? Is that what Dragon Scale from Game of Thrones? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> yes.
4: And general. a woman's arm is turning into stone. You don't touch it.
2: Especially, you know, like back before there was any sort of medicine, this is yeah. some, this is some disease. It's like, this just, smells bad. Here,
0: smell.
5: Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: Martha would have never done that. Yeah, Martha. Yeah. Or
5: she would have had like a scalpel and like taken a little little sample. He's like, let me get some latex gloves on. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, no, 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 no. What are you doing? The doctor and Quintus go to
3: Lucius's home and discover multiple marble slab circuits. The doctor arranges them and says that they make an energy converter. They are caught by Lucius and the doctor asks who commissioned these slabs. Lucius orders his men to kill them. The doctor breaks off his stone arm and they escape. Lucius calls up a stone warrior from the lava river to chase them. It follows them back to Caecilius's house and attacks. Quintus douses it with water destroying it. While the attack was going on, the sisterhood snuck in and kidnapped Donna, taking her to the temple. Okay. <laughs> I yes. like
2: I like the effects, I like the idea and I get I I at the same time don't like and get the gimmick that the head of this monster looked like a centurion's helmet.
3: That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't like, think about it too much.
2: Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's, it's gimmicky. It's Doctor Who, and that's what I like about the show. But, y- y- you know, when, I, when I'm sitting there into it, and then all of a sudden it's...
5: I think but, I can hand-wave uh, that away.
2: Uh, unless it was, well, we are going to look like what this country sees as authority figures.
5: And they were also using Rome as their template for conquering the world. Right.
2: That's kind of how I looked I, at it.
5: I just thought of that now. Like, I, I also did not like the, the yeah. Trojan-looking But it's, it's, monsters, it's like my argument
2: but... way back in the Satan pit. Like, why does he have horns like that? If mean, there's no reason he would have
3: horns, you know. Yeah. The doctor says, uh, I love not knowing. It must be awful to be a prophet. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch that. I just and think that's a really good line. The
4: doctor has a terrible pun because Lucius is armless enough. Uh, With an accent right. instead of <laughs> harmless It's like nobody's taking his arm So he's armless enough He didn't seem all that upset
2: that his arm got uh, yeah. Ripped off He saw it in the future, he, he knew what was it was going to happen
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, His name, Lucius Petrus Dextrus Means Lucius Stone
5: Right Arm Wow. Oh. right there in the name yeah i know we're a little late but i did like peter capaldi talking to the doctor over the vent um even though it was a lot of exposition i felt like again this character was very down to earth it felt like a person that was alive today just in how he was remembering stuff and talking about his family and everything i felt very at ease in that conversation and if you know if it was a little bit different like i don't know that we would be asking if he could if he would be a potential companion just just the the chemistry between the two here i i felt like it was something that i hadn't seen a lot of like i noticed that oh this is a really nice like conversation because it's usually
0: with the companion that Mm -hmm. you have these types of scenes and it's nice to see it with the doctor this time
5: Mm -hmm.
2: i also liked that exposition like it made sense why do they have these vents you know what's the deal and uh and he he sold it very well but also too it Well, that makes sense. The richer people have heating Mm -hmm. from the actual...
5: Well, and not only richer people, but Pompeii, you know, like he was proud of his city over... Over, over... Right,
2: right, right. Here in Pompeii, we have it Mm -hmm. right from the mountain or whatever Mm -hmm. whatever they called it, because they didn't have that word yet.
1: And after the earthquake 17 years ago, no one moved away. And then he goes, well, San Francisco? Right, right. right, right.
0: (laughs) That's such human nature just to rebuild. And that's where the Barcelona joke comes in. Oh, okay. Because he says San Francisco must be from Spain or Spanish.
5: No, that's a
1: restaurant in... Oh, Oh, Naples. Sorry, that's Naples. Naples. Sorry. Which is down the way, not that far from
3: there. Yeah. Like, Naples is in the shadow of Vesuvius. And how many people live in Naples today? Idiots. (laughs) There's even a big city of Pompeii today.
4: Look, Achilles does explain that there's a sisterhood in those, you know, soothsayers who said put the vents into the house. Since 17 years ago, that's when they all Mm. started actually predicting the Mm -hmm. future accurately. And they're the ones who put this in, so that's why they all have the vents.
5: Just uh, remembering more of that conversation, he also mentioned, or the uh, caca- what's his name, Cacilius, name? Cacilius, also mentioned that you, you know, soothsayers weren't good. Like he kind of knew that that was a new thing, like that it was right. out of the ordinary. That all of a sudden, like this profession actually got real instead of just being a bunch of like conmen.
4: Right. I thought that the amount of water used. To kill the stone yeah. warrior was a little <laughs> yeah. on the small side. I thought so as well. I thought maybe if that hurt him enough that he fell back into the big yeah. you know, pool of water that was in the house, then you can see it happening. Yeah. But the amount that was just thrown on and then everything just fall apart. It's like
1: s- a cup full. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I Don't that's... sneeze
4: on the person. That could really kill them. They could have gone back and just in close-up shot of yeah. bucket, 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 yeah. throw, throw, throw. Even you if know, it... something that they get. So he been... and his servants the would servant, also yeah. just yeah. keep doing it. You could have even had
2: water being thrown at the camera, like, just, like with glass right. <clears> or <throat> something to say, hey, More.
4: all over the thing. Between that and the helmets. I thought taking Donna was really quick and oh, yeah. done well because it's like whoa <laughs> that has happened the <laughs> chaos so I, it, just sort of, it just sort of happened. It yeah, wasn't, I do they like the fact that it just sort
3: of it. happened. But the way that something about the way that Catherine yeah. Tate is kind of like, okay, I'm waiting for you to put your hand over uh, my mouth, and oh, I'm walking backwards because you're pulling uh, me. Yeah. There was just something there that was like it was a little too stage. I think
2: that was a very uh, you know you know arduous day on the set. Yeah, if, I have a feeling the, 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 that that was like yeah. four o'clock
3: in the morning, and they're like, we just want to it go was home. Probably
2: <laughs> you know a lot of logistics, and mm. uh, and that was the best take. I love the idea. Like we were saying,
4: I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, oh, it'll be fine. Just do this and that. <laughs> Fix it in post. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the doctor didn't even know that she was gone. I love that. That's what yeah. I liked about it. And then it goes, well, it was good that we stayed around because now we're dealing with aliens. This isn't just right. the volcano. That's a great Okay, line. Donna. Uh, Donna. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but that is a great line where she says, well, if there are aliens involved, then it's good that we, or he says it. Yes. I mean, there is a reason that they were there.
4: Yeah. Does he say it or does Donna say it? He says it there in Cacilis's house after they destroy the stone warrior. He's just off by himself because they're all going. What have that, you brought into our house? That's right. It's like, your son just saved your life. Want to think him? Oh, and right. he gets that's them great. all into the, into that uh, while he can go and ponder. I love that moment when yes. they, when they
2: basically you, shame you them. know shame him into paying attention to your son, being be a good parent. There's a lot of really little moments of really good messages, like you know, humanitarian and and psych and.
3: Yeah, this is a great episode for re- repeat viewing because yeah. you keep catching more and more stuff. There's a lot of layers. This is a very dense episode. Because even the sun has that arc and that's sort of the start of it.
1: I just really like the, that if it wasn't for it being Pompeii and being when it was, a lot of the stuff wouldn't fly. Like, it was okay for them to see some stone warrior come into their house. It was okay for this man to come in and out out of a blue box. It's okay for people. Pompeii was a merchant city, so people were coming in and out. So strangers are totally normal. And gods are a thing. So all these strange things happening were a normal thing.
2: Also, this was a family... This is a family whose daughter was becoming a soothsayer. So the otherworldly ideas were accepted.
3: And a good example of that is that scene between the doctor and Caecilius where, you know, the doctor is asking questions and he so the doctor saying, well, what's that noise? What's that noise? And Caecilius is just like, we don't know. It just happens all the time. And he says it, that could be a very bad line to act, but... Capaldi says it really well, very natural, very matter-of-fact. But he, they, they were like, "Ah, eh, that's just
0: the cave settling. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> it just happens all the time.
0: The doctor arrives at the temple and frees Donna. He is brought before the high priestess and sees she has almost completely turned to stone. He wants to speak with the entity possessing her, and a deep voice responds, they are the pyrovile. They are creatures of stone that fell to Earth thousands of years ago and were awakened by the earthquake 17 years ago. Is this the first episode that references fixed
3: point? I think it is. I mean, there might be some earlier instances where he says, some things I can change, some things I can't. Like, I can't go back on my own Rose's dad dying. Yeah. Pete's dad was a fixed point. But they never refer to it as a fixed point. Really? Yeah. I'm trying to think. We'll have to keep an ear out when we
2: watch older episodes. Well, if
3: any of you listeners have the answer to that, let us know. But yeah, I think this might be the first time we we get properly called a fixed point in time that the doctor or any time lord cannot change.
2: Not that this is the first time, but is it kind of the beginning of the magic screwdriver phase
0: that it can undo rope and anything that's not mechanical just because it serves the story? It did cable in the previous episode from the window washer's cable car.
2: Yeah, I looked at that as the mechanism... That was that was whole. Yeah, the, the Sonics yeah, shorted out yeah, the mechanism, yeah.
0: and then it did uh, barbed wire and empty child. Way back in the first okay. season, that the oh, barbed yeah, wire was always was the one that was, I went.
3: Right. right. Oh, okay. Now it's just <laughs> Sonic X <ex> Malkina.
2: <laughs> well, you shake something enough with noise, it's going to untie,
3: it's gonna uh, come loose. The pro- but, but but think of it. Sorry, but think of it this way: it's shaking
2: the right. rope. No, I, that's exactly what I thought when it happened. I just, you know, I know a lot of people complain about that. Yeah, but. If you can buy a little bit of water and a helmeted monster,
0: then you can buy that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But I do love that the doctor has a water pistol.
0: (laughs) Yes, that was great. That's
3: awesome. His pockets are bigger. (laughs) This
0: scene has a bunch of stuff that I really enjoy because it goes from Donna being kidnapped to going, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) (laughs) Again, Catherine Tate is really, really good. And then when uh, the doctor shows up... She he, she says something about ropes, and he goes, okay. And then he just undoes them. like where, where Well, he liked them? her tunic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Hey, right. He goes, well, what about my
4: ropes? Not so Not much. Not so much. <laughs> yeah I mean, they're already a partnership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It
0: makes these normal things funny in the way they disarm them. And she was yes. never
4: a damsel in distress. Never. She was like, enough. I'm going to get loose. And oh, I'm going to get you. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> like, she wasn't excited to see the doctor because, oh, he's going to set her free. It's like... She knows. I know. I'm going to be set free. This just, is, there's yeah. no chance of me dying here.
0: I just have to kind of buy my time by
3: talking. But she also doesn't do it in that, like, worship the doctor way that <laughs> no. the other companions do. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, well, I, this is the worst thing, but it's okay because the doctor's out there and I know he's going to save me. Donna's too busy for that. Donna is just like, you've got to be kidding me. Well, she's not waiting for the doctor. She's just dismissing the bad people. And I love that about Donna.
2: Do you have a, who the actress was of the head Priestess Gal, not the... Not, Cause she the looked real
0: familiar to me. It's either Sasha Bear or Lorraine Burroughs. I don't know which one. It's Thelina or Spirina. All right, that didn't help me <laughs> She <laughs> yeah. does look familiar, though, doesn't she? Yeah, I'm sure we looked her up. Maybe. I'd yeah, I looked her. both of them up. I didn't recognize much of what they were in.
5: The doctor and Donna's relationship here where she's being rescued or not being rescued, but being set free. Um, I think this was the first time that I remember really feeling like this was an adventure show and not like, like you said, damsel in distress, kind of more romantic, like because Donna knew that she was going to be set free. And the way that she looked at him and their, their relationship together, it just felt more like big time space, epic adventure and not campy like save the girl Mm -hmm. and and i really enjoyed that on top of just catherine tate and david Tennant's chemistry
2: thinking of that and then future episodes it's even though doctor the doctor and donna are, are definitely not in a relationship they actually have the most healthy relationship and are probably what most romantic relationships should be modeled after Maybe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's not impressed by the doctor.
4: The high priestess is almost completely stoned, but she's a lot more um, mobile. You know, where... Lucius, yeah. his arm is like solid stone and not fluid yet. I think that was also too. Maybe she started to become more mobile when she,
2: when she became, when she started to speak with the voice of the alien. I don't know if we've gotten there yet. But,
3: oh yeah, that's yeah, yeah that's good. Because I, uh, like
2: that. I was looking at she's awfully animated for something that's like he couldn't even move his arm. But maybe that was that was it. Her favorite band's probably
3: ELO the song Turn
5: i ain't yellow it's a good song
4: can we this thing, <laughs> this thing on um
3: i like how they play it as there's physical power in the doctor's words it's almost like he is forcing her to answer um but it's almost like she she can't help herself but scream pyro oh, It was kind of like an incantation yeah it reminded like me of exorcism of um the shakespeare code yeah, where yeah. it is just kind of like you know, if I say these words, you have yeah. to answer me. Th- that's how I took it. I didn't take it as like convincing her
2: to start speaking. Yeah, it, it was what he was saying was evoking that reaction. And he
3: also said the shadow
2: proclamation In- invoked the shadow In- proclamation, yeah, which is
3: our second or third reference to shadow proclamation. Oh, and she also says that their planet is lost. Pyroville was mm-hmm. lost. Take note
5: of that. I thought
4: Lucius said that?
3: Better
5: the notes. heavens of Pyravilia. Oh have God, you're right. 5
0: stars for Frank. <laughs> One hand, <laughs> <laughs> a fist of stars.
4: <laughs>
0: Again, this scene has a lot of stuff that I like. The the design of the the high priestess is creepy and still like good in the practicality of the special effects that they use like yeah. and even the sound design. You hear like the stone moving against each other and because I, I watched this uh, with headphones on at work at that point and Oh, you don't really get that from watching it on TV. You can hear the the stone like grinding against each other. I love the, the, the theme of the
3: sibling sisterhood. Like the weird the, the, choir. The, the, cry, the cry of yeah. the women. Mm-hmm. I like it. it. It's very creepy. It's very spooky. It really sets the tone. And then, you know, he's talking to... The high priestess, but she's behind that gauze. Yeah, you're like, what is that? You know, and that? then when they make the reveal, the reveal is worth it.
0: And I think what's also heightened by that reveal is they like blackened her mouth, the interior of her mouth. Mm-hmm. So it looks even more alien and uh, stone quality to it. And then the voice, the the reverb that they add on the voice is just creepy. Mm
3: -hmm. The doctor and Donna escape from the high priestess by using a water pistol and descend into the tunnels below the city. Donna says that since Vesuvius will erupt because of aliens, it must be all right for them to stop it from happening. The doctor says Pompeii is still a fixed point in time and that these people must die. They reach a large cavern, the crash site of the Pyraville spaceship. Lucius arrives with the marble circuits and gives them to the Pyraville. They are noticed and the Pyraville attack them. They run into a sphere which was an escape pod. There, they discover that the Pyroville planet was taken and these aliens are now homeless. They plan to terraform the Earth and inhabit the human bodies once they are converted into stone warriors. They are using Vesuvius to power this conversion, therefore it will never erupt. The Doctor is faced with a decision to let them change the planet and destroy humanity or make Vesuvius erupt, stopping their takeover but killing the 20,000 people in Pompeii. Donna doesn't let him make the decision alone and places her hands on his as they activate the volcano.
0: I know we're going to talk about that part, so I want to go back before that with the water pistol. I like how the other priestess says... I'm seeing into his mind. that that weapon is harmless, and he goes, "Yeah, but it's gonna gonna sting." Yeah, no, <laughs> he no, still shoots her. Yeah,
2: I forgot about this story point, and I think it's fantastic. Oh, me too. Um, the, the, spe- the decision. D- yeah, the, like basically the whole thing about if they didn't show up there, like, they're the ones that caused it. And he, yeah. both of them are don't even realize that they're the cause of this thing. They're, they're both trying to avoid in different ways. It was just so layered, and and, so, and then ha- they have that 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 paradigm shift yes. of. Of of, of of doing exactly what in the beginning of the episode they said we don't want to do. He doesn't want to be there. She doesn't want them to die. He has to be there because he causes it. She has to kill everybody. Um. And then just her performance, and I, I got all choked up, and me too. It mm-hmm. was,
0: uh, but and, but to and, add what you're saying, what makes this scene more for me is that it explains why all the soothsayers have one prophecy. Right. is that the doctor and Donna weren't there to uh, have Vesuvius explode, so Pompeii does continue to be like right. the conversion center for the pyrovile, So right. they're like, yeah, tomorrow is not... It's a normal day because they're just going to continue. Right. But they're now introducing these two factors being Don and the doctor. That's what caused... They mm-hmm. they know kind of the correct history of mm-hmm. things. And so that explains why nobody who has the psychic power can go, Gallifrey, uh, noble woman of London, but then not know that tomorrow is volcano day. Right. And I like that a lot. I like that a lot.
3: To me, this is one of those rare rare instances that gets Doctor Who perfect. You can boil down all of Doctor Who and show it to people in that scene. That's what this that's what Doctor Who is.
2: Watching it today, I just it really hit me how good of an episode it really is.
1: I like how this is the trolley experiment. So (laughs) so it's the trolley experiment, except it's easier to make the decision because you already know it already happened. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you're making the decision, but you are making the decision. So it's circular. I think you're going to need to
0: to explain the trolley experiment. I don't know For those of us who haven't (laughs) seen The Good Place.
1: (laughs) So the trolley experiment is a philosophical experiment on what you would do as a human being. So there's a trolley. You're on the trolley. You're going down the tracks. On one side of the track, there is one person that is looking at you. And then there's a veer off. And on the other side of that track, there's five workers not looking at you at all. There's people in your trolley as well. You have a choice. You stay on the track and hit five people or you switch the track and you hit that one person. What are you going to do?
2: Isn't there a third option of throwing yourself under? That's the, the that's
1: the next question. Oh.
3: Oh, I hit the one person.
1: That's, that's what actually most people would do. So um, the monkey brain would tell you, well, it doesn't matter. I just want to save myself. But thinking through it would be like, well, I have to hurt the least amount of people. So then it goes on to the next thing is, all right, if that one person is a person that you know, would you still do it?
3: Depends on who the person is.
1: <laughs> Someone you care about.
3: Yeah. were well, my mom. Mm-hmm. One of the five people are history.
1: See, so then it's just, again, like, so that's the trolley experience. It's just a psychological... Cool. Yeah, just
3: well, think of you, what, what your you, limits are. Then,
1: then you
2: can think, are. what if what if one of the... Because those five people may not even know what hit them, whereas the one person would. So if someone you cared about wouldn't even know they were... You, know, you just
5: go on and
1: you on. You go on and on, and then the questions go further and, like, see how far you would go, and it's the whole, um, like, at a point it gets to where if you're a doctor and you have a patient come in and this patient has all the organs that you have that are needed and qualify to save five of your patients no one knows this patient no it has no family would you kill this patient and save those five people what an awful thought yeah so it's like but it's no. <laughs> we separate we separate ourselves because the trolley is the one that's hitting that one person right but you're still killing a person to save five people right so it's just These are the, this is how the doctor's brain is working at all times. So I think it's pretty amazing where he is, he's able to function that way in all situations.
2: Right. I think a big part of the dilemma in this episode was these people will be suffering.
3: Well, they had seen their faces. It became real. Yeah. You know, she, she, you know, there was a little kid. There was, you know, the, the, the street vendor, you know, and the family. Yeah. The family would be totally horrible. But at the same time, you also understand, yeah, you've, you, you, you've got to blow the mountain.
4: But they are converting humans into them because they don't have... So everybody will bodies. End up, Everyone
3: will end up suffering if they don't do it. Exactly.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: But
3: you're the one pushing the button.
1: That's the yeah. difference. Yeah. That's the difference. And the thing is that...
4: An ELO will never make That's why album.
1: there's so many times that the doctor just wants to leave. He's like, I don't want to make this choice anymore. Yes.
4: And he says that in this. It's me. And also saying that we're not getting out of this alive because they're going, this is going to be a major explosion. So Donna says, don't even think about us. That's not the important thing. And she doesn't want him to do it alone. And I love that she Mm -hmm. takes it on herself going, you're not doing this alone. I'm part of this and puts her hands on his.
0: And it's our second episode. It's amazing. And it it just works. Yeah. Totally, totally works. They both just sell it. And that piece of music underneath them. It's wonderful. amazing. Goosebumps. Yeah. (laughs) And they acted so well.
4: Mm Mm-hmm.
5: A little bit lighter note. Leading up to that, I love the set with all the fire. I don't know if it was a set and practical, but whatever it was, it, it was a quarry. Yeah, <laughs> where, where they went was, underground. It was a big combination fire. of yeah. a lot of different. Things. The There's the lighting a lot of... and the like the CG stuff. Okay, whatever. Even but, the CG but, stuff wasn't too bad. But they were running around. I, I really bought it.
0: So most of these caves, uh, some of them are practical. We've seen them before. They're the clear well caves, and they've been used as the Sycorax spaceship mm. in the interior and the Satan Pit. Okay.
3: Oh, we also didn't talk about the fact that the production company went to Italy to film this episode, or Spain.
0: I believe it's in Rome or it Italy. It? Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the all the
3: all the exteriors of Pompeii, that's actually a permanent standing set that yeah, that, that, that everybody rents movies. out. Oh, wow. Know. You know, and it was cheaper for them to fly to, Italy, to fly to Italy, film this episode, and fly home than to just build all
0: right. what Whoa, they could. I could see that. It's the uh, I'm going to butcher this Cineta or Cinesita Studios in Rome. C I N E C I T T A Cinesita. I'd have to look at it. It's literally translate to movie town. Oh, cin- like Cinema. Yeah, and they also shot the HBO series Rome there. Which is very fitting, <laughs> but but I, I don't know if I like it because it looks fake. We have a difference of opinion on that one. Yeah, I'm just for my personal taste, it looks a little
2: I think staged. that has, yeah that has a lot to do with um the way they film it.
5: Some of their clothes stuff they they shoot very close up, but yeah. this one had a lot of wider feeling shots. I don't know if they were shot wide and or just shot close and comped into a wider scene, but it felt big mm-hmm. seeing the doctor and Donna running around in the caves.
4: During part of this, this is when they cut back to the family who, you know, the new day is dawning and the mom's like, oh my gosh, we just killed a messenger from the gods and asked Evelina what's going to happen. And that's when she talks about someone's going to be making a the choice. decision.
5: the
3: terrible, a choice. terrible choice. Right, right. The most terrible choice.
0: Uh, before this, there is uh, when they're going into the caves and the doctor has his pistol aimed at the big pyrophile, he has a bad joke. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't get all lavaed up. What I like about that is that he, he looks at Donna and is like, was that okay? And then she's like, no. No, no. But she still keeps her emotion yeah. <laughs> and doesn't even uh, break that from his bad joke.
4: And Donna asks him about the fixed point in time. You know, she goes, how do you know? How do you know what that is? And because, because I'm a time lord. That's what we do. We know what is, what could be, and what must not be. And I'm the only one. I'm the only one, the
0: one left. Yeah, and I like how he depicts his way of seeing the universe, much like the ninth doctor in Rose. The episode Rose, when he was holding her hand, says, you know, this is the earth turning, revolving, and then this is a different way that the tenth doctor looks at things. hmm Their escape pod is shot out by the force of the eruption as Ash turns day into night. They return to Caecilius' house to retrieve the TARDIS and leave. Donna pleads with the doctor to save the family, just this one family... Just save someone. The TARDIS returns and takes the family to a hilltop, overlooking the devastation. Evelina's visions are gone. The explosion of Vesuvius opened a rift in time that echoed backward, giving them the visions, but they have reached the time of impact and the rift is closed. Six months later, the family is living in Rome and show honor to the household gods, a marble slab of the doctor, Donna, and the TARDIS.
2: I didn't get that originally. I heard them talk about that it sent ripples back in time, but I didn't get that's how they saw the future. I I thought it was just the power of, the dust and the stone, but they were that's what let them tap into that mm-hmm. ripple in time.
4: Yeah, there's the two different things: the stone, which is the dust, turning them into this alien race. Into, yeah, into and it. also yeah. being able to connect them psychically.
2: Right, but also being able, but but it wasn't like they could see into the future. It was that that happened, and it sent ripples back in time, and that's what they were tapping into. Right,
4: they're seeing through the time. So Change. so it is two different things. One was the alien. One was right. The doctor. So and once the if, if if their plan
2: worked. Oh, never mind. Scratch that. <laughs> it
3: was a sad line where he says history is back in place and everyone dies. Little reverse from uh, Empty Child and the Doctor
4: dances. He's so upset about it, but he knows he can do nothing yeah. but Donna's plea. Plea. Oh, she's bad. After she leaves the family, she's there and she doesn't know what to do because the doctor is going to leave. She yes. knows the doctor is going to leave, and he's going to leave her if right. she doesn't get onto the TARDIS. So it was that self-preservation at that point. You know, so she goes onto the TARDIS, and right away we have to do something. We can't just leave it this way.
0: It's just oh.
4: And then uh,
2: when he comes up with refer, refers to the god Vulcan,
5: mm-hmm.
0: and that's where they come up with volcano. So it was volcano originally spelled with a U. It's a form of Vulcan, the Latin root.
5: I like how Donna, in the escape pod, she accepts intellectually the choice of having to kill 20,000 to save the world. And then as soon as, yeah, she gets back to the town and sees the actual carnage that's taking place, she can't accept it emotionally. Yeah. Uh, And that's when she starts pleading with the doctor. And and,
4: trying to get everybody to go where it could be safe, uh, and they're all running the other direction.
0: Yeah, because they're running to the beach, and then it's a theory that if they had ran to the hills, they would have avoided the lava because the lava flew down into the water.
5: And and is that why we remember Pompeii instead of Herculadium?
0: We just found the... uh, um, Brian. I just yeah,
5: found Pompeii, Pompeii first. Yeah. Brian went on an expedition <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to River a land Song. unknown. River
3: Song took me to this place. Um, no, we just the, the 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 people, archaeologists, just found the remnants of Pompeii first. Okay. And because of the unique nature of what happened at Pompeii and the preservation of certain things, um, it became very worldwide and famous. Weird. Yeah. And I think there is proof in the, that site that the lava flowed down. They all ran to the beach thinking,
2: like, we'll be safe there because it's near the water. Mm-hmm. But they were just trapped.
5: Yeah, because that would be where everything that flows down into, to yeah, the water. And, yeah.
2: and it's not like they went to where all the boats were, I guess. Mm.
3: Well, I also don't think the boats would have helped either.
2: Well, if we get far enough out.
4: They this is have time. This is a big difference between Doctor Who and Torchwood. Yep. Torchwood would end with everybody dying and everybody pissed. And no, we're not going back to save that token family. Mm-hmm. Not, and that's what Donna needs. It's just some semblance of hope, some semblance of we can do something, even on a small scale, to leave on a positive note. And that's part of the doctor. And, we and the doctor says, thank you, I needed to have somebody. Sometimes yeah. I do need someone. Sometimes I do need someone.
3: And funny how you bring up Torchwood. Peter Capaldi showed up in Torchwood and the his story arc is very sad and it's almost some fans like to say that the Peter Capaldi in Torchwood was balancing the scales of Caecilius's family living that needed to be balanced out and Torchwood took care of that because that's how Torchwood is
4: so Peter Capaldi's <laughs> family
3: in Torchwood died they don't know it but they're the descendant of Caecilius's now alive family and the universe is doing its okay we need to balance the scales and that's just a fan thought.
0: Another Torchwood connection is the the author or the writer of this episode, James Moran, wrote the Torchwood episode Sleeper, and he's a big fan of Doctor Who, so when he saw his name come up on the opening credits, he was uh, very thrilled, so mm. I'm happy for him. He wrote a great episode. Uh, speaking of writing this episode, he was given these, I guess, edicts to include in the script. He was given Pompeii, Moral Dilemma, Roman Family, Fire Creature, good <laughs> or bad, up to you, Living in <laughs> Volcano... Inside ship that pops out of a, vo- or a ship that pops out of a volcano like a champagne cork.
2: That's really interesting to hear how kind of like they put together. They break an episode and know what they want to put in it.
0: Backing up a little bit, the end scene where the TARDIS saves the family. I'm reminded of Love and Monsters in the because of uh, Elton's thing about hearing that sound of the TARDIS and how it uh, brings death, but then in mm-hmm. this case, it brings life also because it manages to save one family from this uh, like sea of death literally right but him arriving in the, in the first place is the harbinger of death
1: or is it life because oh that's he true saves because he arrests. saves everyone and see that's what i like oh.
0: about that scene and so, it's filmed
3: almost as if it's very angelic yeah yeah when you he know comes there's back bright in. bright light when the door opens to the tardis it's not like you see the interior of the tardis you right. just have this bright light behind him mm-hmm. shining like this massive halo
2: without well, you say that i think that's to bolster the thing when they are the house gods at the end mm-hmm. of the show. Oh, yeah. yeah. When they're worshipping. Yes. Oh, yeah, they're definitely... And
4: played seriously with, come with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. if you want, you to, want live. to live. <laughs>
5: <laughs> there was one moment on the hilltop, though. Like, the the family's grieving, and the husband and wife are grieving together about the loss, and then the, the kids kind of hold hands. And the doctor and Donna kind of share this look, which is not... I think it was meant to be deep emotional, but it was more like, this is about to get weird. Let's oh. get out of here. <laughs> I didn't that so, like, They kind of sneak know. back. <laughs> it was just my mood at the time I was watching it.
2: I like that moment when the brother takes his sister's hand. I like that mm-hmm. moment a lot, too. Um, he, was, he was defending her the whole episode, but at the same time, he was also being a bit of a pompous... Snotty brother. Uh, or son. He was more of a p- pompous son than a snotty brother. That kind of family bond was touching
5: And then I don't know if you guys noticed as she was leaving to go out on the town... Her, she didn't have anything around her arm, mm-hmm. and it was
4: like cured.
0: Evelyn, yeah, cured.
5: And oh. is that was that supposed to be like it was cured, or was that just they forgot to? Oh,
4: sure it no, no, she's cured. Okay. And then the son is now on his way to becoming a doctor, mm-hmm. so he's right. definitely been influenced by this.
2: I like to think about when they see medic- medical practices like back from that far along. Like, God, what are the medical practices back <laughs> then? Leeching and boils. Actually, they no. were more advanced yes. than. Oh yeah. The
1: other the rest of the middle, ages. middle yeah. ages they were a lot more advanced so their medical books were pretty up there
0: all right let's go back there <laughs> the high priestess is played by victoria wicks and we've also seen her in sherlock a study in pink she plays margaret patterson which who is that instead? she's the one pleading because her husband is dead like a press conference i believe oh okay, oh, okay. The inspiration for the family's names are from the Cambridge Latin course. It's a textbook used in there. And you have Caecilius in book one. And then there's a character of Metella, which is the wife. And then Quintus is the son. Uh, Evelina is the only one created originally for this episode. Metella, the wife, is uh, in Broadchurch season one. She plays C.S. Elaine Jenkins. You can see her with... uh, David Tennant in another series. And then Evelina is played by Francesca Fowler, and she is also in Rome, which we mentioned earlier, the TV show from HBO. So Fires of Pompeii, who is this episode good for? Or, this episode is good for who? A new viewer, a casual
4: viewer, a fan of the show, or a diehard? I think this episode is pretty much good for everyone, because it doesn't have a lot of history to it, so you can just fall right into it. Donna is a strong enough character so you get the relationship between her and the doctor right away. You get a lot of the serious aspects of the doctor of what he does and what he doesn't want to do and what he can't do. Yeah, I think it's good for everyone.
5: I will say uh, Kelsey instructed me to vote for <laughs> well to tell everyone her vote would have been for a casual viewer. Um, she really, really liked the last 10 minutes. I think once the whole thing with the mountain and making that choice started rolling, like that's when she got really into it. Um, for myself, I was I was not gonna say new viewer, but you guys might have convinced me in in discussing it. I think because it, it looking back, like I don't remember the Pompeii episode as being one that I think about a lot. But watching it again recently, I mean, it, it does have a lot of those really good notes that Doctor Who does well. Um, so sure, and I think I think people should watch more Donna. So I'm gonna put it in the new viewer category.
1: Um, I watched this also with someone. No, this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched it with my younger sister this time, and she's like a casual viewer. She's seen a couple of episodes. And she's like, sometimes I just don't get the doctor. Like, what is he doing? Why does he travel? Where is he going? And then this episode answered all her questions. (laughs) So she's like, oh. And then she asked me more, what are time lords? And then, because I would like sigh and do things on certain sections. And she's like, I don't get it. What do you mean? And then she really thought it was an interesting episode to be explained to her. And then that dilemma was just like, oh, that makes the episode. It's great. So because there's a lot of inside, I would want someone to understand it more. So I would go for casual.
2: I I say a new viewer. Uh, I kind of agree with everything that's been said. But I think this is another one where I like more the watching it a few times. Like I I remember it being just more of kind of a silly historic episode. But I I don't know why I forgot that whole big thing at the end. Probably because it happened so fast. I think this is a really good example of all the stuff about Doctor Who. They travel through time. There's some silliness. There's some funniness. There's, some, you know, they talk and everyone talks in the same language. Like, every little gimmick about Doctor Who uh, is in here. And, and just coming off of the classic episode that we watched, I kind of feel like a lot of the, what they were trying to do back then, like, they're still trying to do the same things. It's just now they successfully do them and they do them well. Uh, so I'd say new viewer.
3: Yeah, I'm 100% on the new, new viewer. Um... I think this is an almost perfect episode of Doctor Who. You laugh, you cry, it becomes a part of you. You conquer. Yeah, <laughs> you conquer. Um, the acting's great, both from the regulars and the guest cast. Um, I think the tone is right. It's going back and forth perfectly. Um, there's a moral dilemma. It makes you think. It makes the Doctor think. Um, it's great. I
0: love this episode. Love it, love it, love it. For me, it's a new viewer as well. And um, trying to think of what you guys haven't said that I can add to. Why I uh, want this into a new category is that I think it's standalone. You can watch this and just get everything yeah. out of Doctor Who that you're supposed to get. Uh, the emotional roller coaster is a good thing in this case because it starts off silly. It goes into, well, it starts not silly. off, fun. It starts off it's, fun. I was going to say, it starts off fun and then it has one of the best uh, cut to the opening theme where it's volcano day and we're on we're in pompeii and it's volcano day and then boom we're into the opening credits and Mm -hmm. i love that that's probably one of the better cold opens that i've ever seen and then uh the internal logic of why certain people the soothsayers can see things and then others can't i like how the internal logic works in this case of and they explain it very well Uh, the moral dilemma i think is not only good for writing purposes but it also gives us an insight of what the Doctor goes through on a, like a daily basis and what it must be like to be a Time Lord with all the knowledge of uh, time and space. And uh, it also gives the Doctor that motivation of curiosity, kind of hammers that home in this one. Like, he wants to leave but then he doesn't because of that uh, circuit that's revealed. And I really like that these little hallmark touchstones are very evocative of what Doctor Who is to me and I, I would hope is what it is to other people that watch the show. I love this episode have i said that
1: i love this episode too i think it's great it's great and then i love historical episodes so yeah like that there's a moral dilemma with the historical episode
0: that wraps up fires of pompeii thanks for listening join us next time when the future becomes the present
3: You've
5: just listened to an episode of Who Knew. Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. Find him on Facebook at The Universe Explodes.
1: All our episodes are engineered by Auburn. You
5: can find him at
4: auburnbinkley.com.
1: You can also find this show on several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcast.
3: Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes
4: and Stitcher.
5: Or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Who Knew Podcast.
0: Comment on our Facebook page.
4: As always, please leave comments, reviews, and click like to help support Who New Podcast. Also listen to us on your Amazon Echo by enabling a podcast skill.
1: All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. This podcast is inspired by Doctor Who,
4: the longest running sci-fi show in history, and especially the revival spearheaded by Russell T. Davis. Thanks to Russell,
1: Sidney Newman, Barry Lambert,
0: Ron Grainer,
5: and all those involved in the adventures of our favorite Time Lord. Your
0: work continues to inspire and entertain.
2: It's the same okay. thing.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's just fun to see how
3: deep you're going to bury yourself. <laughs> so, all right.
1: Here's the shovel.
0: Right. The ground is cool and, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and comforting. Do we have a question? The trolley question, maybe? Who would you kill? Who would you kill? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the one or five? <laughs>
0: who would you kill and why and who? And where do they live?
1: <laughs> and have you done it? <laughs>
0: and would you be to tape it?
3: Oh. No. Did do this? In class. <laughs> that's how we should have introduced ourselves. <laughs> I'm Spartacus. So am I. So I'm, Spartacus. I'm Spartacus, and so is my wife. A <laughs> merchant has sold it as modern art to Caecilius. Did I say that right? Yeah. That's okay. But right. okay. so I'm gonna say it again. Okay. <laughs>